Welcome back to another episode of the Sam Pelly podcast. This week I talked to Ben Leo Hollis. He's a friend of mine who cycled in his gap year from Leicester to Australia. We spend the podcast talking a lot about his tales and stories from this trip. I apologise beforehand, my mic's limiter was not working, so there's slightly distorted audio at some points, but it's a great podcast nonetheless. So welcome to the podcast, Ben Leo Hollis. We've met this year at UCL, and here we are, and I've, I thought you'd be the most interesting person out of my friendship group to initially interview, I think. Well, it's a big, big claim. I won't go that far, but I'll try my best. Okay, good. Nice. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about today about you travelling to Australia. Yes. And for those who don't know, do you like to tell them how you travelled there? So last year on August the 1st, 2018, after having a game of football with my friends and fam. Then I packed my stuff up into four bike bags, stuck it on my bike, and went off to cycle to my aunt and uncle's house in Brisbane, Australia. So it took me about a year to get there and went through 31 countries on the way and had a pretty good time. How many miles is that? Is that like 12,000 12, miles or 18,000 all, all on kilo- bike kilometers? It was just that little bit around the dodgy countries. Yeah, just the uh, Syria, wow. Iran, Pakistan. Unfortunately, couldn't visit this time. No, but, um, maybe in the future. And the plane f- over the s- over the sea from yeah. Indonesia to you didn't Australia. Didn't go to Turkmenistan, well. did you? I no, didn't, but didn't. I hope I hope stunning. to visit in the future. Probably quite hard to cycle as it's all mountains. Yeah. I mean, as another thing you had have to consider is the climate as you're going through. So obviously the seasons are changing as you're kind of going around the world as well. Sure. So the way it worked out, I didn't really plan it very much because I had a certain brief time window in which to do it. But it all worked out so well in terms of climate. Like, And taking that flight over Syria, Iran and Pakistan meant I never had some seriously cold winters to contend with. And in the, the stands like Tajikistan and stuff, it can get down to like minus 10 easily. So yeah, hopefully yeah, I'll go visit sure. them when the, when the seasons are right and also when visas allow. Because Iran, I've heard, one of the friendliest countries on earth. I've known people with slightly easier passports, like the French passport, you can get in there a bit easier. Okay. But, um, so you plan yeah, to find a French passport, wh- when, a French wife. Just when, <laughs> when political situations ease, hopefully I'll get to see the Indonesian, the Iranian, Iranian people yeah. c- with their f- world famous hospitality. Sure thing. So can I ask, why, why did you decide to actually go to Australia in the first place and do it by bike? Like what prompted it? Was so it someone that inspired you or was it just so I an think idea? I've always been like, like obsessed with this kind of romantic idea of exploring like I always used to buy atlases and stack up things like that read about explorers and stuff so I think definitely the that vague idea in the back of my mind to go out and see the world was something it was like when is that going to happen as opposed Mm. to if it's going to happen and so I think I was just looking for some way to do that and there's a my dad is pretty interested in travel. Him and my mum have been travelling a fair bit. My grandparents as well, even though they're from a generation where mass tourism wasn't really a thing, have 
and came from living in the slums in Leicester mm. and managed <laughs> to like visit some a fair few countries. They've been on like package holidays to China and stuff, which wow. for their like age group is is mad. So yeah, yeah, there was so that's a clear inspiration. That you're, you're there was a, there was a book in my house about a guy who cycled around the world in the eighties, which influenced me i guess so maybe you subconsciously just saw it read it and, and then my me and my dad both kind of cottoned on to this idea that it, that it was a thing but nice. yeah obviously w- my dad's got a lot more responsibility and stuff going yeah, on yeah, yeah. it's a lot harder to make something happen and yeah, yeah sure even for someone my age it is so yeah when i first told my parents they were like yeah my, my dad was like yeah sure sure you will sure, sure but um by that stage i'd planned it in secret for uh, <laughs> like five months and got Gosh. like four jobs so i was gonna it was gonna, gonna make happen it happen from then. so pretty much well the way i thought we'd structure this is we'll do it through songs and you're a big Oof. fan of uh, a show which um s- rhymes s- with Ferret bland whisks. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it is because I feel like we're ripping it that off was too a cleanly. But, rhyme. but um, Shout out we've, we've chosen is it nine songs. Yeah, I think yeah. it's nine songs, and they've influenced you, or they're important to you whilst traveling. And the first one is "Positive Vibration" by the one and only iconic Bob Marley. So, yeah, like to tell me a bit why you chose that song. So, one of the in the first stage of my journey. After about a month and a bit, I was in Slovenia cycling through. And because I was on a really tight budget of like £7 a day, I'd wild camp almost every night. Mm. And when people heard that I was wild camping in Slovenia, they were kind of surprised. Yeah. Because they were like, you can't do that. We have the highest density of bears in the world, which I had no clue about. And the next night, paced it to the coast, like in Croatia, where they told me there's no bears. And at 4 a.m. was woken up by a bear outside my tent, um, like circling me. I had all the food in my tent, had to walk out, stick all the food outside my tent and get back in, absolutely terrified. And I put on a bit of Bob Marley to make me feel better. Make you feel better. So this is Positive Vibration by the one and only Bob Marley. Ciao, Rastafari. So that was Bob Marley, Positive Vibration. Yeah, man. And I, I started asking the question during the break, and then you stopped me and said, save it. So I'm going to ask, like, were there points where you didn't have any internet, so you were just, like, using up all your songs and your playlists and just well, putting them on repeat and just <laughs> listening to songs for hours? To a partial extent, but, I mean, generally the world is so connected now. I was, I was shocked. So in the EU, God bless the EU, um, I, you don't even have to change like network providers. He's got the same thing, and then after that point, you just I'd buy a new SIM card in every country for like four pounds with a few megabytes of internet to message friends and family, and download those, download those playlists. But yeah, I'd, I downloaded s- serious amounts. Like th- I think the night before the trip, I was messaging all my friends like, "Give me album suggestions. Mm. Have to download." Did you listen all the time while cycling, or did you just cycle, you know, I'd, to silence? I mean, listening to your breath. I think like a form of meditation. I hadn't planned that music was going to be like so important, hmm. but so I at the start I didn't, and then it just became like what kept me going, like yeah. because 
this like how because some sometimes you're on a, a road like in India for example there's only one road that goes like east to west in a state that's bigger than England so you're you know you're on this road pretty much you're going through different cities you're probably on it for two weeks cycling one road yeah. often in a straight line you get your tunes in you get like you just get obsessed with a song stick that on repeat and uh, you get in this like meditative state mm. which is kind of hard for me being back in London especially now I'm at uni with like I've got people messaging me I've got like people in real life I've got stuff to do social activities things I want to see around London and it's so much to balance whereas like yeah there you have one aim for your day is like to go a bit further and so yeah you just stick those tunes on and bam you're on yeah get those miles out yeah so did you ever feel like in those situations when you're just cycling alone on these vast roads like slightly vulnerable thinking maybe i this shouldn't have been what i was planning to do in my year vulnerable like in terms of safety i never really safety and also for your own health if anything was to happen to you to have a heart attack or something you're just on your own it's quite a brave thing like i think that's what i admire most about you put yourself out (laughs) on <laughs> oh, no it's true though on, on you've done something which no one some people aren't even willing enough to leave their town and to be able to go across the world while cycling at, at such a young age like mm. from someone your own age to say is it's like well i think impressive. i think the secret is like that i just threw myself into it like i didn't really i'd never done anything like it before so i didn't have any negative experiences and then those first few weeks where stuff where it is a bit tough, I was like, oh, well, I've got to keep going. And then you just keep getting these positive experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's the secret, really, is to the, the, just jumping into something. Because then you have these positive experiences, like, yeah, it's going to be all right, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Like, and, and, yeah, for my safety, like, health, it wasn't really something I worried about, no. to be honest. Maybe perhaps naively of me, but I think you've got to, look at the probability you are a giant of a man for people that you're sitting down right now but you're very tall like you're gonna mildly tall you're just mildly tall mildly tall and you're closest to seven foot and six foot and i also am like a white man which is a blessing for yeah if not for safety in terms of uh, women often are like i could never well people are like i'm i could never do anything like this and then a few women have said, well, obviously there is a big difference in terms of safety. Mm-hmm. But what I normally say is that women definitely can do trips like this. And I've met people doing it solo. The only places I say to uh, that I wouldn't go as a solo woman traveller are North India and potentially Indonesia, because that's where gender inequality was the strongest. Mm-hmm. And although in the other places you definitely have to take further precautions, then... Yeah, I've known of loads of female women, female women travellers <laughs> who have done stuff like this as well. So it, it can be done. But yeah, I'm obviously privileged to be male and white, which is pretty accepted in yeah. most places in the world. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just now you're talking about, you know, those positive experiences. I thought we'll go on to... The positive man himself, Mac DeMarco. Yeah. So do you want to talk me through this song, On The Square? Yeah, so as I was saying, like, music was massively important to me in driving me, giving me the motivation all the time. But also the trip was 
it was really a coming of age mm. thing because I left just out of school and don't claim to be a fully made man now, but definitely coming back then, I felt a, a different person. Mac DeMarco is someone I listened to before leaving, and it's a tune. So that's Mac DeMarco. And How can you cut a man off? I know, I just cut Mac DeMarco off. But what a like, guy. Killer I'm sure life he'll performer. forgive me. What a anyway, well, we talked a little bit earlier about you and your bear incident. Yes. And you're you're an environmental conscious man, just a little bit. I mean, just a little, just bit. a little bit. And obviously, when you're cycling in these countries in the terrain and the wildlife, you're you're going to see some pretty amazing things. Mm. And um, do you think you became increasingly like connected with with the wildlife, with our Earth through the trip, or you already? Yeah, I think the most important thing I got from it was how vast the world is still. Because when you're cycling days between towns in some places and, yeah, you see how much stuff there is left, but also in some places the opposite, like Malaysia, um, Sumatra, Java, and I was cycling for like three months almost through palm oil plantations, which is, there's an ecosystem which previously would have like unrivaled biodiversity and now has been replaced by a monoculture of one monstrous plant and in the 80s within a matter of years the government just allowed this to happen i don't blame the people like the people working in these things they need money but the government measures needed to be in place Mm. and people are sad about it because you know it's not something that they wanted to have destroyed and now it is. It's affected the weather patterns, and yeah, it's just a bit dead. <laughs> a bit dead. That's why I saw you switching up your peanut butter habits the other day. Yeah, got to go what for that. What was the one you found? Go for it's really hard. I don't know. It's I'm a big peanut butter fan as well, and I struggled. Got to look on the back just for one that doesn't have palm oil or has sustainably sourced yeah. palm oil, which unfortunately does cost almost double the price. But I've. Yeah, I'm it. far from perfect, but I've got to make that. I've got call. one that says sustainable palm oil. I don't know how sustainable. Yeah, palm so oil there's can be. actually there's an argument that it's better because than other oil because palm oil actually produces five times more oil for the area of land than other crops. Yeah. So it's a it's a discussion it's a to be had, but generally it's a destru- well, destructive crop. Tesco does a big pot for, I think, £5, about a kilo for £5 of that one I have. So Oof. I have that with my, my porridge every morning. Yeah, if you can get your sustainable peanut butter, you can cut out beef from your diet um, and other meat that uses soy as animal mm. feed, then you're doing... Are you, are you vegetarian or...? I go on and off with vegetarianism. Yeah. So the minute I'm trying to bulk, you know, get mm-hmm. gain some weight, which I was doing before on a vegetarian diet... And it's definitely possible there are vegan bodybuilders out there, but you do have to consume a much bigger volume of stuff and it's more difficult. So you've, oh, got, sure. you've got to balance the things. But I'd say I realise it's a massive mm. carbon footprint from eating any sort of meat, but yeah, beef is definitely the most destructive of yeah. the meat choices. I would so would you say the two main things for people to do is to to get me out of their diet and then maybe what else like flying or i'd say it's political choices to be quite honest with you because when you look at emissions then it's a absolute vast majority 
of global emissions come from corporate sources. Mm -hmm. So lifestyle changes, while they definitely can go somewhere, the most important thing lifestyle choices do is change people's ideas around climate. Mm. And it's only when people that vote and shareholders in particular believe in the environment that legislation and corporate policy will change to reduce emissions. So mm. I, That's true, actually. Like shareholders have the power. So, for okay. example, Norway is a big stakeholder shareholder in Apple and most shareholders are want to prioritise their profits above anything else, but Norway, being not a person, actually does have a slight ethical uh, aspect to it. And they pretty much said to Apple, no, you can't change to dirty carbon sources and have influenced the, the way that the company works. So shareholders and voters have, have the power in swaying things. Nice. So, so uh, we're going to move on to the next track now. Yes. And it's by a guy called L.A. Priest, who I actually hadn't heard of before you sent me this list of songs. Neither had I. And it's because in northeast India, which these remote states like above Bangladesh, which not a lot of people travel to, I crossed into another guy traveling around on a bike. It was quite a crazy incident and like i said before there's one road going west to east mm -hmm. so we knew we were heading in the same direction probably for the next few weeks this is a guy called martin shout out to you and he used to be in a pretty big electronic band and we'd just every night camp up get his speaker out and exchange and this tunes. Is a song so this is called oino am i pronouncing that right who knows who it's knows? a banger though it's a banger though by la priest that was a nice bit of electronic funk there. Beautiful, man. British guy called L.A. Priest. Um, so you just mentioned there meeting up with someone in India. Martin. Martin. So how yeah. long, when you met up with people, would you tend to stay and cycle with them? So it would, all depends with kind of the place you are, whether this road branches off or whether it's going across a, a narrow state or something. So with Martin, he persuaded his brother to kind of fly out there on a whim and buy a bike. So he dashed off to go and meet his brother at the closest airport about a thousand miles away or something. And I went up to a, a little Christian city called Kohima for Christmas, um, which was awesome, one of the only Christian regions in, the, in that part of the world. So, And then a few weeks later, I managed to meet up with him and his brother again for a week until we had differing plans. Like, I wanted to get up to Laos and they wanted to check out this city called Naypyidaw, which is a new, brand new capital built in Myanmar in the last few years because Martin's brother is a skateboarder, had his skateboard on the back of his bike, and they were going there just to skate this brand new city with cool surfaces for like a few weeks. Mm. And I'd got some people to meet, I think, or I don't know what I was doing. I, I had some, oh yeah, because obviously I had to get to Australia. So I constantly had like in the back of my mind, you've got to keep moving like at some point because you've got uni to go to and <laughs> you want to get to Australia before then. Of course. <laughs> Pretty Is that much. the city where I think it features in the Top Gear episode when there's like this 16 lane highway? Is that the one? Yeah, know, it potentially is, but... I don't know how many series there are that filmed there because another time, a few months later, I met a guy um, who, who in Cambodia and unfortunately for him, 
he'd gone to this city, brand new, and thought, I'm going to, like, film some sick shots here. Flew his drone, got arrested and put into Myanmar jail for three months. And there's, like, proper Myanmar jail, like, one room with, like, hundreds of people and a hole in the floor to poo in. Like, no contact to the French embassy for a long time. And it's very expensive pretty bad, mistake. yeah. He was, like, <laughs> in the news, he was like, look me up, like, it was bad. <laughs> so, mm. bit annoyed at the Myanmar government, got all his drone destroyed and everything so sure. be careful Flying with the Myanmar government Myanmar. although don't let that taint your opinion of the population because sure. so kind and just pretty untouched like corporate things hadn't penetrated into no. Myanmar when I got there really like like the the litter and the traffic of other countries when I crossed the border from India to Myanmar it was one of the most surreal things it's quite, like, it's quite authoritarian, the government, though. It's got a lot of problems. And maybe that's de- not why it, there hasn't been that development of, sort of capitalist firms, for example. Yeah, it was because, it's because of their closed-mindedness. Mm. But the effect that has, there's definitely certain benefits. I mean, it's easy to look at this, like, rural, quite unpolluted and traditional culture and go, wow, they're surely better. But mm. the downside of that is people are going to, like, have less... Ab- Paid jobs potentially, lesser access to good health care, but mm. nice country. Get get at it before mass tourism reaches it in a big way. This is probably a good time to ask, was there a certain culture or country which really stood out to you as inspirational, which was very different to beliefs you had of your own um, for your trip? Oh, a country with different beliefs. I'd say... Well, not necessarily different beliefs, but just that you were talking about Iranian hospitality or these types of things that you perceived like... Was, was one that mm. you went there, you really was different or really... Yeah, look, I'd say the number one was I didn't get to cycle through China because their visa is quite difficult and it wasn't really on the route that I was on. Mm. But when I was flying back from Australia, I waited until I could find a flight that stopped in China so that I could stop in Beijing and visit the Great Wall of China, which I did. Ticked it off the bucket list. But, yeah, I didn't have very long in China... But um, it is very, very different culture, which frightened me a bit because everywhere else I went, even if I wasn't connected to the internet, I knew I could go buy a SIM card and I would be. And there I went, bought one, and everything on my phone was blocked. Mm. I couldn't get a message out. I hadn't installed the VPN before I got there. So you couldn't buy one And, like, Google is blocked, so... Facebook, like Messenger, everything. I couldn't get a message out and I really felt trapped for the first time on my trip, like very near the end. And just the... Yeah, there there is definitely a mindset difference in terms of the way people act. So I want to hopefully go back there and just generally learn more about Chinese culture because of all the places that was the most... You get culture shocks in a lot of places, but it's normally because it's quite gritty and untapped and like wow this is different from our clean european living but there it was just didn't feel very free i i felt quite trapped mm. and also obviously when there's a government that can put you away for quite a long time you're also like i better not i better not say anything wrong no. <laughs> or get my video camera out in the wrong place in exactly. front of mao zedong and start talking about him yeah. mao zedong maybe but yeah yeah 
But yeah. I, I want to learn more about Chinese Fair culture enough. for sure. No, because I'm not fully integrated not into yet. its intricacies yeah. yet. Only, only seen it superficially. Yes. So I think now we'll move on to the next song. Um, I'm the man that will find you. Oh, so this was when I was in Myanmar and they only give you a pretty short visa to get over a very vast country. Yeah. And my visa was running out. I had to get out of that country fast. So I'd flagged down like a pickup truck, which would come along pretty infrequently yeah. in these like rural places, just like by swinging my arms around, hop in the back. And then I think this one I was in the back for like six and a half hours discovered Conan Moccasin's album Jazz Busters. Oh. The driver was playing it? I was playing Are it in my headphones. It? He's in the front in the cab. I'm crouched in the back with some durian fruits and like oh, clinging on with Conan singing in my ears. All right, let's have a listen to this. It's called I'm the Man That Will Find You. You just talked there a little bit about your positive experience with... How do you say it? Burmese. Burmese. Burmese yeah. family. Some Myanmar people. Yeah, so yeah. those the people I was hitchhiking with there, um, every three hours when they'd stop, they'd insist on buying me food, even though these are Burmese people from a developing country, insist on buying me drinks. And then when we stopped, when we got to the city I wanted to get off at, I was like, oh, I can stop here. They were like, no, no, carry on. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? And they drove me across the city just to show me their house and I think give me something. So I ended up saying, can I just sleep on the floor here? Because it was going to go dark in an hour. And got fried frog's legs in the morning and some pretty weird Burmese cuisine. Not the, yeah. not the best cuisine <laughs> in my trip, but yeah. worth trying. It was worth trying, yeah. So how about the times when you're alone for periods of time or you're, you know, you're camping on your own? You're in your own head for hours and hours at a time, not speaking to people, or having these short glimpse conversations with people. Yeah, how, this, how does that feel? I think I'd, I'd make a big effort to have these short conversations, like because, and just waving. The thing is, you're never fully in your own head because everywhere people are staring at you, and in a, in another way, you're like, you've got the least time to yourself than you do in England because people are constantly staring at you, waving at you. And I, I personally don't think I missed a wave. Like, I felt obliged to wave back to everyone. So when I, I think, arrived in Australia for the first time, I was like, God. oh, it's so liberating. Like, no one cares. Even though I was, like, on a bike, packed up, looking very, like, unique, no one cared at all. No. And it was like, thank God, like, it's, it's tiring. In Uttar Pradesh, in India when the population density was the highest. It was draining because pretty much you're not out of anyone's sight. I c even And at night, I'd have to ask to sleep. I'd be like, can I put my tent here next to someone's house? And you know there's people like going, oh, who is this white man like just outside your tent? Like, it's 24-hour surveillance. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. no, I went to India in April last year, and it was pretty it's, it's intense. Like Definitely is. Uh, it's, a lot of selfies. If you travel for like a pleasant experience, you go to like a resort in Mexico or the Maldives or something. But if you travel for intensity and different cultures... You cannot top India. Like, say what you like, intensity-wise. Yeah. It's number Above one. Above China. 100%. Yeah. Well... In a different way. It's, it's definitely... China's got something, but you land in Old Delhi, 
which is where I landed after my yeah. flight. And I was shocked. And you just get like, oh my, what the hell? It's actually non-stop harassment. Like in the centre of that old deli part, it's like a mosh pit, like in the night time, the whole street, and you're like squeezing past. And I love that, like compared to, like people say that's unpleasant and things, mm. but compared to Beijing with like the very careful crossing of roads with police watching, take India any day of the week and it's poo on the floor, public <laughs> urinals, like... Uh, right next absolute to poverty, but at least it's not getting blocked out by the government. True. No, it's, quite, it's got quite a liberal... Well, not liberal culture, but there, there's an entrepreneurial spirit about them and they're, they're just so open to conversation. Not shouting out the Indian government, though. BJP, yeah. Modi at the minute, is doing some seriously Islamophobic things. So... No. Well, that was one of the um, charities that you actually raised yeah, so against. Another massive part of the trip was raising money for three charities that I'm like absolutely passionate about. One of them being Stand Against Racism and Inequality, because I think that Islamophobia is one of the world's biggest crises right now and one that doesn't get talked about in mm. the, to the same level as something like climate change. And it's penetrated Western society to such a big level. Like, we have Donald Trump and Boris Johnson in power now. Um, I'm not going to go political. Marianne Le Pen, potentially. Yeah, not going to go into naming names or details, but Islamophobia is... There's a strong undercurrent throughout Western society at the minute. And, yeah, that's in present... In Myanmar, particularly, where... Rohingya Muslims have been killed. I, I tried and brought, tried to bring it up in every country I went to. In in Myanmar, you have to be careful about it. But yeah, I asked like, "Oh, what about Muslims in this country?" And man, straight out said to me, "This is one of the smiliest, friendliest men there. There are no Muslims in this country, mm. when there are, but they're not deemed as citizens people, so. or, and people. And this is why they're killed by Buddhists, which." Uh, you often see as an outsider as this super peaceful um, people group, which obviously there's there's bad things can happen in all ethnic groups, really, unfortunately. And, yeah, there's having to flee throughout the world, and that's causing division in Western societies when Islamic people have to flee. Well, good. I'm glad you had the discussion with people. I think that's something that can help change perspective. Yeah, you, um, you have to talk about yeah. that for sure. And changing the vibe a little bit, we'll go on to Rupert Holmes, one of the greatest oh, songwriters of all time. Damn right. And the song um, Escape, the Pina Colada song. <laughs> Tell me a little brief bit about that. I mean, so when you were talking about being on your own and stuff, then in Laos, then I actually went through a breakup. I'd been in a long-distance relationship with my girlfriend over for those months, and... Obviously, I'm completely on my own. Here, I was in very, very rural area. And I asked my friends, like, can you send me some, some songs, please? Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm spending all day in my own head. My mate Leon, shout out, sent me a whole playlist of breakup songs. Excellent choice. And this is one of them. Lyrics, lyrics are not banging, but yeah. Lyrics are not banging. Anyway, this is Rupert Holmes, the Bellini. Yeah, whatever. So, I mean, throughout your trip, you're going to have some pretty amazing views, either when you wake up or whilst you're 
you're traveling and cycling. So what, what stood out there, sort of the most beautiful views? And I can probably send me the photos later and I'll put them up on the video. Um, I normally say number one was on an island called Havar in Croatia, which is where the millionaires go pretty much. And I went on the boat there. There's all these five-star hotels. And I just walked my bike through the five-star hotels and camped on the beach, like, basically in front of them and, like, hid away in an olive grove. And, yeah, then the sun set after I'd just gone, like, snorkelling on the coral reef, on the reef there. Oh, best sunset of my life. Beautiful. Really? But um, Great Wall of China is up there. Um, there's a road in, in Vietnam where the Top Gear Vietnam special was filmed this called the High Van Pass, got this like snaking, zig zigzagging road. In s it's central, it's near central. a city called Da Nang. Yeah. That's banging. And so, so many places. The Alps are great. But also, one of my absolute number one places on the trip was Kent. And I'd never been there before. And England in the summertime is honestly the best place in the world. Like mm. rolling hills, nice temperatures, and... It's just we've got history that lasts for a longer time than other places because we've got, like, our industrial heritage. Mm. These bridges have persisted for some, like, random brick bridge you cycle past will be older than, like, America yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. So, gotta love Kent. Gotta love Kent. We're talking about, um, I don't know, classic British things... <laughs> this, this guy probably will go down in British history as one of the top British artists, and that's King Cruel, come from London here. Uh, this is a song called Bleak Bake. Yeah, this was from a time in in North Vietnam where it was grey. You see, this area gets, like, grey skies through the whole time, and I was not doing great. It was flat, and I was going through a, a bit of a sad stage, and... It didn't last long. Once the sun came back, that high van pass, I was back in business. But, mm. yeah, this was through a bit of a sadder so week of the trip. a sad song for Assemblio. This is Bleak Blake by King Cruel. So we're talking a bit there about the, the nice views and the beautiful surroundings that you're with for, for months at a time. Mm. Um, did you come back with a different appreciation for life after your trip? Or I mean, you're, you're a positive guy. You stand out in a crowd. Like, where's that coming from? <laughs> is that your less spirit? I'm or all, bro. It's because I'm best all. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest lesson that it gave me was, like, that humans are really, really nice. And we live in this bubble of, like, suspicion in Europe that we can't talk to other people. I think Japan has a bit of the same problem, that, like, we don't want to intrude into anyone's personal space or their own goings-on. And, but, yeah, you can just engage with people, ask for help if you need it, and it makes life, like, all the richer, to be mm -hmm. honest. Like, Indonesia, which is perhaps my favourite country, does not suffer with this. As soon as I landed, I was hit with friendliness, which became a bit of an issue. In some places, 20, 30 people were stopping to take selfies with me, asking me, hey, m hello, mister, hey, mister. Instagram. Mister, Facebook. mister, like... Everywhere. Um, but yeah, this, this next track is from Cycling Through Indonesia, where 
my guy Steve Lacey released a new album which kept me pumped. Like April time. That kind of thing. I I think June, something Mm. like that. Kept me pumped as I cycled through Sumatra. This was in the headphones. Waves and smiles and selfies were all around. Beautiful song there. What choice? I tell you what, Apollo 21. Go listen to it right now. Unfortunately, didn't get the Grammy, but that doesn't matter too much. You got the adoration. Pilot got a Grammy, so that we were happy there. Yeah, man. At least one of the future got something. Anyway, um, I don't know what to ask now. I'd say like I, I would like a little bit of advice from you, just something you picked <laughs> up. No, about your travels and just something for. I would like to do traveling myself at some point. Maybe go get them, Tiger. Go get them. Go get that, it. That would be just my advice. It. London being the edgy middle-class place it is. I cycled past somewhere the other day that had my new favourite quote painted on the wall. It will never be the right time. Like, you can't keep putting this off because just before my trip, two weeks before and the week before, I was like, no, no, I can't do it. Like, I'm not ready. And I know other people that wanted to do these trips and kept delaying it like people that take gap years normally take like one or three months traveling yeah just make it happen because just, just life is short man yeah. i am mildly scared by death so that helps okay. to keep me motivated yeah my I motto in life my just just trying to aim to not have any regrets yeah. on my death I think that's true make life, life is very short especially for some people and so. this this next song is from a, a reflective moment my mum, after I hadn't seen her in 11 months, decided to spend to work overdraft and come out to visit me in Bali. And we went up to the top of these mountains overlooking the sea and played this tune. This is Charles Trenet with La Mer. So thanks, Blio. Thank I call you. you um, I'm sure we'll do something else in the future, maybe talk a little bit more about environmentalism. This is a concern of both of us. Talk about life. Um, talk about life in general. But thanks so much for coming. How can people find you? They can find me at benleohollis.com or yeah. on Instagram, which is currently natgeoblio. Yeah, I'll link them all below and check him out. He's a great guy. Boom. Come visit him in London. I'm sure he'll be up for it. Hit me up. Anyway, Let's link cheers, up. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.